Um, but today marks uh, 40 days of prayer uh, for our cities. And so it's a citywide thing. I don't remember exactly how many churches are involved. It's like 30 or 40 that I last heard, which was on Wednesday. And, uh, you know, we participated last year in this... Um, in the prayer walk, but I didn't really know about the 40 days of prayer until the prayer walk. And uh, so this year, uh, you know, I want to share with you a little bit about why we're doing it, the heart behind it, because I think that's important that we know the why. And uh, I think that's, you know, my mom said that was my favorite question growing up. Don't do this. Why? Do this. Why? Can I have that? No. Why? You know, it just always seemed like a good answer. You know, it's a good question for me. And uh, so, you know, maybe that's part of why I think it's always so important to answer the why. Because I think sometimes we do things and don't know why. And, uh, you know, and I think that's important. And so, um, you know, I will tell you this is that I have these um, and I'll share more about it here in a little bit. But out there on the information uh, table, there's some little uh, daily devotionals. Basically, it's 40. I just printed out the first week. Actually, I think it's the first 10 days. It is the first 10 days. That's the way it printed out, so that's the way it is. And I meant to print out the first week. But um, anyhow, and so what it is, is that these are just daily devotionals written by different pastors, different ministers, uh, you know, here in the community. And so it's not just in El Dorado, it's Union County, um, you know, and so... Uh, but we're taking 40 days and just asking God to move in our community. And that's ultimately what it's about. And it, it, let me say this. It's 40 days of prayer. Yes. Like, we're not trying to prove a point. We're not, you know, there's no other agenda. The agenda is to pray for 40 days and to ask the Lord to move in our community. So if you want one of these in the print version... Uh, you can grab one of these. I didn't print a ton of them out because you can also, and I'll give you a website here in a little while, you can actually go and they'll be posting stuff to Facebook and all Twitter and all those types of things throughout every day. They'll be posting the devotional so you can actually get it emailed to you every day. You can sign up to be on an email list. Uh, you can go online and just have the a digital copy of this. Um, you know, and so we'll post some of that stuff uh, to our church's Facebook page to help get you linked there. Uh, and so this is what's going on. But uh, my hope this morning is this, is that I want to challenge you uh, to participate in this 40 days of prayer. Not just in intention, but in actual action. To actually spend some time praying. Uh, you know, at the beginning of this year, it was one of the things that I really felt that the Lord stirred in my heart concerning this year was about prayer and really uh, being intentional about it and really making it a priority and not just something that we say in concept, but something that we really put into practice. And, um, you know, and so this is actually the third year that they are doing this in our community. Uh, it's been going on for a couple years. Um, and so I guess it started about the time that I became the pastor of the church. And uh, so I guess that was the first year and then last year and then this is the third year. And, uh, you know, and so uh, my whole goal is that we are more active in it. You know, as far, and I don't mean like active as in visibly seen. I mean active as in that we're praying individually. Uh, that's what I mean. It's like taking a personal responsibility that, hey, this is my city. This is where I live. And so I have authority here. Why? Because this is where I live. And taking on some responsibility about what happens in our city. You know, here a few months ago, I, I taught for a number of weeks about the armor of God. And, you know, and it's very clear there in Ephesians where it says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But against what? There are, there are powers of darkness that work against us. There are powers of darkness that, that would love to work in our city. Well, what's the restraining force to the work of darkness? Us, the church. The church isn't a building, it's us. We are the church. And so, if God wants to work in the earth, He has to look for people who He can work with, right? 
And, and so that's the way God works in the earth is he does it through us. You know, and so it's so important that we understand why we're doing this, but also, uh, you know, to have a, a focused center as well. You know, it's one of the things about the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. It says that they were all in one place of one mind and of one heart. There was unity. One of the reasons that I love to be a part of community things is this. is We recognize that our church isn't the answer. We are part of the answer, but Jesus is the answer. You know, and so it's important, I think, for us as individuals, but also for us as a church to realize that God will use us, but we're not the only, for lack of a better term, we're not the only show in town that God is using, that God is using to touch people and to move on people. But we want to do our part. And, uh, you know, and, and that's important because God's not going to ask me, what did so-and-so's church do? He's going to say, David, what did you do with the church that I put in your hand and in your oversight? Yeah. And he's going to ask you the same thing. He's not going to ask you about what so-and-so prayed or didn't pray. He's going to say, did you pray? When the opportunity was presented to you, what did you do with that opportunity? You know, and so, um, you know, I'll give you the website real quick. It's very simple. It's Eldorado40.com. Eldorado40, so 40.com. And that's that smack over education Chris was talking about earlier. Your husband said it. I didn't say it. El Dorado, no space, by the way, so it's all smushed together. El Dorado. Oh, is it up there? There you go, Stephanie. It's right there for you. So you can go to that website, and that has um, really uh, the daily devotionals are on it, and all those types of, you know, even if some information, and, uh, you know, and so each day, there's a, like I said, there's a devotional that you can go to, and really it's a focus of prayer each day. Uh, and so that way we're all praying about the same things. We're in unity about what we're praying for. And then, uh, as I said earlier, on November 8th, we're going to do a, a citywide, uh, you know, not citywide, but really downtown. We'll start there at uh, City Hall and the police station in that area. And we'll pray there and then we'll walk through downtown. Uh, I don't remember what the second stop is, what the name of the building is. It's the school administration building. I forget what they call it. And then we'll end up uh, there at the courthouse. And, uh, you know, so we'll pray together corporately. And I believe that it makes tremendous power available. And, and what a greater statement today in our nation yes. than to see people from all walks, all backgrounds, all denominations come together and pray. If we had a lot more of that happening, I think our nation would be a lot better off. Why? Because the one thing the devil can't do anything about is when believers get in unity. He knows he's in great trouble when that happens. You know, and so, um, so here's the purpose behind it, behind this prayer uh, walk, if you will, the, the 40 days of prayer for our, church, or for our city is this, is to challenge believers to be united in concentrated and coordinated prayer to see that our influence would expand. So in other words, that our influence, not just as churches, but as Christians, as believers, would actually expand in our in the area of the globe. And let me say it this way, that our influence in the mission field in which God has called you to, me to. I don't know if you realize this, you live in a missions field. You don't have to get on a plane and go fly over an ocean somewhere to hit a missions field. You live in one. Now used to, that wasn't the case here in America. Because we were predominantly Christian. That is not the case today. Your mission field might be the neighborhood in which God has placed you in. 
That might be the mission field God's called you to. It might be the, the job that he's placed you in. And there are lost people all around you. That's your mission field. I mean, it's easy to say, oh, well, you know, we pray for missionaries. We send missionaries. We, you know, we support missionaries. You are a missionary. God has sent you. That's all the word missionary means, a sent one. Well, who, like, well, who am I sent to? Go into all the world. Well, all of what world? Whatever one you find yourself in. That's the world that you're called to, that I'm called to. You know, and so part of it is to see our influence expand. Let me say it another way. is to give us opportunities to share the goodness of God with those around us. That's one of the reasons that we're praying. Uh, is to see that we would have a greater opportunity. Well, I can tell you this as somebody who ministers to people publicly. I can tell ahead of time, like, you know, especially in, in a setting like this, I can tell if people are receptive or not. I mean, I've been in some places where it was like taking a ball and throwing it against the wall and it just slaps right back. And it's like, wow, they're not, they don't give a rip that I'm here. This doesn't matter at all. But I've also been other places where the Lord's working through me and I'm like, oh my gosh. You know, is that there, in a sense, that there was a demand from the presence of God and God was able to do more in that moment. And so you could pray that the same thing would happen. I mean, Lord, I pray that the people around me at work that are antagonistic or resistant to me, I thank you that they're softening their hearts. That I would have an opportunity to share your gospel with them, your hope with them. You know, and so that's expanding influence. And the second part of that is to see the lost uh, come to Jesus. You know, as the church, we ought to always be about seeing lost people saved. That ought to always be primary for Why? Because that's the first instructions from Jesus to us as believers. Go and make disciples. Go and find people who don't know Jesus. Introduce them to Jesus and help them walk with Jesus. That's, that's our call. And so that's really the, so it's twofold. The, the, the heart of it all is that, is we want to see our influence expanded and we want to see lost people come to Jesus. And, uh, you know, and as I said, that's going to happen through a Second Chronicles chapter 7 verse 14. It's a familiar passage of scripture, but it says, If my people, now it's an important word, is if. Yes. Because the Lord is speaking to the, to the children of Israel here and he says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. So if you have any hope of your prayer getting heard, it needs to come from a humble heart, by the way. So, it says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. It says, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will restore their land. Amen. If. If, 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 if. That's a big if. If my people. I mean, look, we're all humans and we all have great intentions. Oh, I intended to pray. If my people will pray, I will hear and I will heal. That's what our, our, our nation needs healing on a lot of levels. Well, the problem is, is that, and look, are there changes that we should make? Absolutely. Are there things that we need to correct? Absolutely. But if we make those corrections and neglect the spiritual application and necessity, it will all be in vain. All of it. I mean, I know we've got lots of things going on. We'll see a lot of it today. 
Oh, well, they nailed before, and they nailed Deering, and they did this, and they did that, and everybody's up in arms. Okay, well, have you prayed for your country? Yeah. Quit complaining and start praying. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. There are powers at work that would love to destroy our nation. There are powers at work that would love to destroy you. They would love to destroy me. It's a spiritual root. First. And if we can deal with that, you're like, well, why is all this coming up now? Because we're the least spiritual we've ever been in our nation. So, there, if you sow seeds, there are... <laughs> you reap what you sow. And so, there are some things that we need to do. And here it says, if my people will pray, will humble themselves. One of the easiest things and ways for me to... Because people are like, well, how do you know if you're humble? Here's an easy, simple test. Do you recognize how bad you need God? Because if you think you can do life without Him, you're not humble. If you wake up every day going, God, I need you. I need some help today. That, that's a good place to start. So humility matters. Why? Because I'm not going to God demanding anything. Now, I can stand on the promises of God. I can declare His Word. But I need to come, let me say it this way, respectfully recognizing that I am powerless to create the change that's necessary, but that God wants to flow and use me and to use you to bring about the change that He wants to do. So I I can't create it, you can't create it, but we do get to be the channel through which God creates change. God wants us to be a part, but I have to respectfully, humbly come before Him asking Him, To work on my behalf. To work on our behalf in our community. That's what it means. And so, you know, even the number 40. Now, I'm not a a numerologist. Some of you might know what that is. That, that, you know, every number has a meaning. Now, there is a lot. I've studied it and looked into it. But it's not something that I just, you know, I think it's very interesting. You know, because actually the Greek and the Hebrew language is every letter correlates to a number. So you can take a word and it will give you some meanings. It's just pretty interesting, but I wouldn't build my life based off of it. Um, you know, but there are significant numbers. We see it throughout Scripture. The number three is, the, you know, we see that with the, uh, the Trinity. The number seven, seven days of creation throughout Scripture. We see where God completed things many times in seven days. You know, they walked around uh, Jericho how many days? Seven days. On the seventh day, they lifted up their voice. So they were quiet for six days. On the seventh day, God said, open your mouth and say something. As they begin to, to shout, the walls fell. So we see this as a pattern. That God does things in numbers. Well, the number 40 is, uh, is seen pro- predominantly throughout Scripture. Many, many, many times. And so I'm going to give you just a few of them here. In the book of Exodus, Moses went to the mountain to meet with God for 40 days. It says that he went up alone for 40 days and met with God. And it says when he came back down, his face shone like the noonday sun. So much that he had to put a veil. He spent 40 days up there. The children of Israel wandered in the desert for 40 years. But for their 40 years of wandering, God also provided every day the bread that they needed in the manna. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights in the flood of Noah. So we see this number repeated. 
Here's another one. Is that the Bible says that Jesus was led into the wilderness for 40 days before beginning His ministry. It said He was baptized and immediately was led into the wilderness for 40 days. Where He prayed and fasted for 40 days before Jesus began His ministry. I think that 40 days was significant in the life of Christ. Before Jesus ever did a miracle, He spent 40 days in prayer. Seeking the Lord. Now here's another one, which this is just a, a fun one, I think. Is that for 40 days after His resurrection, Jesus randomly appeared to people. <laughs> Doubting Thomas. All of a sudden, they're in a closed room and Jesus is like, Hey Thomas, just no need for doors. I just wanted to show up. Surprise! <laughs> That's why I say Jesus has a sense of humor. But He showed up to various disciples for the, for the time period of 40 days. And then he ascended. So we could say after resurrection, Jesus walked around for 40 days. He was here with people, talking, eating, fellowshipping, you know, all these types of things for 40 days. So at, at the very least, we could say this, is that 40 days is significant to God. Amen. Well, why not 30? Ask God. I don't know. <laughs> I don't have an answer for that. But 40 is significant. Now, when we're talking about 40 days of prayer, I'm not asking you for four hours a day of prayer. What I'm asking you for is five minutes a day. That's about how long it should take you to read the little devotional. I mean, they're not long. You know, they're pretty short. I mean, let's see here. That's two of them right there. October 1st, October 2nd. So five minutes a day. That's all I'm asking for. For 40 days. Amen. Five minutes a day for 40 days. See, here's the thing. We don't have to pray long to be impactful. That's right. But there's something about the consistency of prayer yes. that will make a difference, that will provide breakthroughs. I believe that not only will, it, uh, will we see a difference in our own church, but I believe we'll see a difference in our city, in this area that we live. And so, uh, you know... And so, as I said, this is about taking, our, about taking time to acknowledge that, God, there's nothing I can do about this. But I know you can. And I know that you want to use me to bring about that change that you desire. I love this quote from Martin Luther. He says, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Amen. If you think you can successfully live for God without an element of prayer in your life, just try to hold your breath and see how that works out for you. We'll wake you up when you pass out in a few minutes. Probably not even take that long. He says it's not possible to live for God without prayer. I don't know where I first got this, but I love it. He says that, uh, I don't know who even said this, but it's that prayer requires more of the heart than the tongue. Prayer requires more of our heart than what we say. So many times, you know, we get in this mode like, well, what do I pray? How do I pray? Is your heart invested in what you're doing? Because that matters more than what you say. Jesus gave us instructions, and really this is foundational to to prayer. And here in uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, Jesus says, when you pray. So he didn't say if. If you think about it, if it crosses your mind, he says, when you pray. In other words, Jesus had an expectation. Jesus himself expects us to pray. He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners in the synagogues where everybody can see them. He says, I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. He says, but when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to the Father in private. Then the Father who sees everything will reward you. 
He says, when you pray, don't babble on and on as, as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. He says, uh, don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly um, what you need even before you ask Him. Again, it requires more of the heart than the tongue. It's better for your heart to be engaged for three, four, five minutes and you pray and you go about your day than it would be for you to spend an hour flapping your gums. Just saying words. Just over and over and over. Just Well, I just keep saying what I hear everybody else says. Okay, well, that's fine, and I understand. Well, I prayed this way because my mom prayed this way. I prayed this way because, you know, somebody who was really influential in my spiritual development prayed this way. Great, but does that have any connection to your heart? Or are you just doing it out of ritual, routine? Because, well, it worked for them. Yeah, but your heart has to have a connection to what you're praying. That's what's going to create the difference, not just in you, but also in other people. Jesus says, look, you shouldn't think you'll be heard just because you talk a lot. I mean, God's not deaf. And the thing is, is even Jesus taught and said, look, man looks at the outside, but God looks at the heart. So God doesn't care so much about how much you pray, how long you pray. What he cares about is the position of your heart when you pray. Is it an actual faith-filled prayer or is it just, well, I'm punching my, my time clock. I'm going to do my, oh, got it in today. Praise God. Or is there actual connection to what you're doing? See, and that's what we want to do in these 40 days is we want to connect to the prayers that we're praying. Now, let me say this. We should connect to the prayers that we pray all the time. Not just in these 40 days. You know, we shouldn't be throwing out Hail Mary prayers all the time. Just winging it out there, praying something's going to happen. No, I mean, let's... I mean, that's why we have these little devotions. They've got a scripture each day. Why? So that we have scripture to stand on that gives us confidence that God will hear our prayers. Yeah. I've used this example many times, but I, I just like it because it, I think it, it, it illustrates well. Is that by praying, one of the things that we do is we're creating space for God to work. Yeah. We're creating room for God to come in. We're inviting Him. To come in and to say, God, we need you to work in our city. We need you to work in our lives. Now let me say this. The first thing that we should be doing in the 40 days, if we're going to pray about our city, we first have to pray about us. Amen. Why? Because the city won't change if people don't. That's right. <laughs> Why? Because if there's no people, there's no city. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, you can drive out into the desert and be like, oh, it's a city. No, there's not because it's a desert. Nobody lives there. <laughs> the Bible says that righteousness, Proverbs says that righteousness exalts a nation. Okay, well, how is a nation righteous? The people are righteous. The people live righteously, and that's what exalts a nation. So that's part of what we want to do during this time. And so, you know, let me ask you a question. Because, and I'm not guaranteeing this could happen, but what if? What if? So here's my question for you. What if God used El Dorado's and the area around us to be a catalyst for a move of God's Spirit in our nation. Amen. What if? Like, oh, that would never happen here. Oh, yeah. You're right, because you just said it won't. Yes, Come on. Why? Because God has to move on people. 
And quite frankly, let me just say it like this. If God can't move on people in church that say they love Him, say they follow Him, say they've given their lives to Him, how much could He really move on the people of the community? Exactly. Now, can God do it? Absolutely. But I believe that it starts with this desire in us. That God, I want to see you move and work in my life, in my community, in my family. I mean, sometimes it's easier to pray for a missionary in another country. Oh God, we ask you to pour out your spirit in that nation. And why? Because there's no actual responsibility on us. Well, we prayed for them. You know, we 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 gave them financial support, and you know they go into. But yet, it becomes much different when we like start praying about our own family, because we're like, I don't know if I can pray for that person. Like, I, I just think they're really, I don't think they would ever really be open to the Lord working in their life. All of a sudden, we, we find excuses of why prayer won't work when it comes to our own. Yeah. We've got to remove those excuses and just start saying, God, I need you to be you. Yes. I need you to show up in my family's life and, 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 you know, in the people that I work with. God, I work in one of the most godless environments ever. Well, he placed you there to be light and salt in what? A godless environment. That's why you're there. I mean, I love the way the message translation says that. He says that you're the salt of the earth. He says, and you're there to bring out the God flavors in the world. I love that translation. To bring out the God flavors. Well, that's why you're there. Well, during this 40 days, and even there it says, what good is salt if it's lost its taste or lost its flavor? It's useless. It has to be thrown out. Well, okay, well, as Christians, how do we stay salty? We got to be like Jesus. Acts 4, Peter and John go into the temple. They heal the, the lame man at the gate, and they go and stand before the council. And what do they say? We realize these are dumb people. Now, this is my translation. It says they were ignorant. They were uneducated. They didn't... But what we can't deny is that a notable miracle has been done by these goofballs. So we've got a problem on our hands because we can't figure out how they did it. We know they did it. But we do know this. They've been with Jesus. Jesus is the great leveling field. Because he takes a bunch of nobodies, makes them somebodies. He makes them, takes a bunch of somebodies and makes them nobodies. And everybody gets used by God to get him glory. So he covers all spectrums. But what if God wanted to use our, our city Amen. as one of the flashpoints? I, I believe in my heart, and I've prayed for this for over 20 years. We've had two great awakenings in our nation. They've been several hundred years removed. We need another great awakening in our land. Amen. And a great awakening is not just a revival here, a revival there. I mean, look, I, I've been to some places where they've had revival. I went to Brownsville my senior year of high school. I just got saved six months prior, and I spent my senior spring break standing in line to go to church for eight hours in, in Brownsville. And it was great what happened. It was amazing what happened. But we don't see the same thing happening today there. Then you hear of, you know, the, this spot or that spot or one. Well, the Bible says in the last days that God said, I will pour my spirit upon all flesh. He didn't say, I'm going to pour it out in little spurts here and there. The Bible says, the glory of the Lord covers the earth, all the earth. Well, what if we were able to pray 
And God poured out His Spirit in our city to a point that it actually affected not just our city, but way beyond that. You know, I meant to bring it with me this morning, but I guess I left it on my desk because I don't see it here. Or maybe I left it in my truck, I don't know. But I have a letter. I tried to see if I had it on my email, but I didn't. But it's a letter actually from our governor of the state of Arkansas commending people for participating in the 40 days of prayer. Amen. You know, and just encouraging people to, to be a part and to participate. And he even asked, he says, look, I asked for you to pray for those in positions of authority. I mean, I wouldn't want to be in leadership right now. It's tough. It's an understatement. Well, they need wisdom. On a state level, on a city level, on a national level. But they're not the answer to our solution either. (laughs) Or the answers to our problems. They're not the solution to the problems. We are. We have to personally take, no, if I'm part of the problem, which that's what's creating the environment. Okay, well, if we're part of the problem, we're also part of the solution. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you're going to blame me for being part of the problem, okay, that's fine. But I'm also going to take the responsibility to be part of the solution. Amen. And we all equally share that. Yes. As believers, number one, as Americans, second. Right. See, sometimes we've got to remember that. We get that backwards. Yeah. We're believers. We're disciples first. Yeah. Then I'm an American. That's why if the government came and told me, you can't preach the gospel or you're going to go to jail, I guess I'm going to go to jail. As an American, I have a right to free speech. But as a believer, I have a conviction to tell others about what Jesus has done in me. So therefore, my Christian life goes ahead of my patriotic Americanism, if you want to call it that. So that's important. But what if, what if God did something in our city that actually caught the attention and actually began to spread through the, into other parts of our state? I mean, we're not the only people that do these types of things. It's not like Ellery is the only city that prays for 40 days. There's other cities who do this. But there's also other cities who have seen a great impact too because of it. So that's why we're participating in it. James chapter 5. I've read this verse many times and none of these are uh, anything that I haven't shared. But I just want to share with you some of what the heart behind the 40 days of prayer. But also my heart as the pastor of the church as to why we're participating in this. James chapter 5 verse 16. He says, confess your sins one to another and pray... For each other that you may be healed. He says the earnest, power, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Now, here it qualifies that the earnest or continued prayer of a righteous person. If you're saved, let me answer the question for you. You're righteous. This is talking about you. Because the Bible says the moment that you got saved, what? You became the righteousness of God in Christ. So, you're like, well, I'm jacked up. That's okay. You're still righteous. That's good news. You don't know what I've got going on. That's okay. Because the blood of Jesus, the Bible says, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So this applies to all of us at this moment. If you're saved, if you've asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, this applies to you. It says that your continued prayer 
has great powerful and great power and wonderful results. Why? Because of who Christ has made us to be. Verse 17, it says, Elisha was a human as we are. Other translations say he was a man just like us. He says, and yet when he prayed earnestly, that just means continued, consistently he prayed, that no rain would fall. He said none fell for three and a half years. One man prayed that it would not rain. Now, just in context so we understand this, Elisha just didn't get a wild hair one day and be like, I think I'm going to pray and see if it won't rain for a while. (laughs) Why? Because no, but he, he did hear from the Lord and said, now, this is an interesting thought. Why wouldn't God just have said, it ain't going to rain for three and a half years. Just go say that. You're the prophet. You go tell the kings, it ain't going to rain for three and a half years because I said so. That's what the Lord says. But it's not what it says. It says, Elisha being human when he prayed earnestly. Amen. See, God doesn't do whatever, whenever, however he wants. He looks for people to cooperate says he earnestly prayed, continually prayed that no rain would fall and none fell for three and a half years. And then when he prayed again. So he prayed that it wouldn't rain three and a half years later. God says, okay, it's time for you to go unlock that prayer that you prayed. I mean, remember in Matthew when talking about prayer, it says whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever you loose. And so really this is a great picture of how that actually works. God said... Elijah, I want you to go pray and I want you to bind the rain for three and a half years. So now, Elisha prays again and he tells him, or Elijah, he prays and he says, okay, now I want you to loose the rain. I think we might have shortchanged ourselves when it comes to prayer. Amen. Just maybe. That we don't really fully understand. This was with the instruction of the Lord. He wasn't just mad one day and just like, nope, it ain't going to rain anymore. The Lord had instructed him to do this. And yet it says that when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. God said that it wasn't going to rain, which it doesn't explicitly say this, but it does say this on the second part, is that because there was no rain, there was no harvest. Either. Why? Because it's required for crops to grow as moisture. And yet when he prays, it begins to rain and the rain began to come. And what happened with the rain? Harvest came. Now, the Bible talks many times, symbolically, if you will, uh, about water or rain being symbolic of what? The Spirit of God. I believe we've been in somewhat of a spiritual famine in our, in our country. I mean, you go and look at our history, it's, it's pretty barren in a lot of ways. Well, remember what I told you at the beginning, you have not because you ask not. That's one of the verses the Lord really stirred in me about this year. Specifically. Well, I think we need to start asking for God to pour out His Spirit. Because when the rain falls, the harvest comes. And I believe that that's true for us, even as a church, but also as a a community. (laughs) Is that if we'll begin to pray, things will begin to happen. God will pour out His Spirit just like He said He would. You know, years ago, when I was youth pastor, and I coined this phrase with my teenagers, cause I, and I said it all the time. I had it up on the walls. I wanted them to see it. And it was this phrase, is that when I pray, things happen. Amen. You ought to write that down. You ought to put it on your mirror in the bathroom. 
put it in the car where you drive. When I pray, things happen. It's not an arrogant statement. It's based out of that scripture right there. The prayers of the righteous have great power and produce wonderful results. When I pray, great, wonderful things happen. Not bad things, wonderful things. There's a lot of power when I pray. Not because I got a lot of power, but the one that I'm praying to has all the power in the universe. And he'll unlock his power flowing it through me because I prayed, because I asked him to, because I created some space for God to work. It creates power. So amazing things can happen when we pray. Now I understand because I've, I've had I've had conversations with people along this line. They're like, "Well, I just don't know what to pray. I don't know how to pray. I don't know exactly, you know, how to do it." So I got a little advice for you because I know how it is. I mean, you know, I, I can remember when I first really started walking with the Lord. I'd hear these people, and they're like, "Man, I I spent an hour in prayer." I'm like, "Dear Jesus." <laughs> Like, that's what spiritual people do, I guess. So that kind of became my goal. Like, man, if I could just pray an hour. I mean, Jesus to the disciples. Could you not tarry with me for an hour? Jesus, we done been here for a couple. Maybe you lost count. You done come and ask me that now three times. Talking about the Garden of Gethsemane, in case you're not familiar with the passage. What? At one time, those prayer giants were beginners too. Amen. Come on. Nobody just woke up one day and they're like, oh, I can pray for an hour. Here, I think it was last year. I'll just tell this because it's funny. Some of you know this, but I teach in a Bible school uh, down, in Bible, uh, down in Shreveport. And last year, I was there and another pastor, me and him both taught at the same time. We had two separate classes. And, um, you know, he came up to me and we were talking. I've known him for a long time and... He said something about, and I, I spent three hours praying today. And I just thought, well, I didn't. <laughs> you know, I was like, well, praise the Lord. <laughs> you know, that's awesome. Can I borrow an hour maybe, you know, can you just like give, you know, and I was, I mean, but, but there was like this sense of like, oh my gosh, I did not do that. You know, but. And that happens because you hear about people and you get discouraged. You know, we want to say it's conviction. It ain't conviction. It's the enemy. It's condemnation. If the Lord told him to pray for three hours, praise the Lord. He didn't tell me to do that. Now, I had prayed. I didn't spend that much time. But I had prayed for what I felt like was adequate for what the Lord was asking and requiring of me for that. But if we're not careful, we'll set the benchmark so high... And say, well, you know, if I don't get, you know, however long in, it's just not worth it. So I guess I just ain't going to do it. Five minutes is better than no minutes. And five minutes with your heart engaged is better than an hour without your heart engaged. Why? Because you're just going through the routine. So let me help you with this. How do you learn to pray? You just got to pray. So here's, here's a quote for you. There is no way to learn to pray but by praying. That's it. You didn't learn to ride a bike watching somebody else ride a bike. Why? Because there's something called balance you had to figure out. And no matter watching anybody else taught you how to balance 
on two wheels, you had to learn. And you got what? Even in, I mean, anybody not be able to ever ride a bike? Everybody understand the illustration I'm about to say? <laughs> there came a time when you just jumped on your bike and didn't think twice about balance, did you? It was second nature. You weren't even thinking about pedaling, keeping your balance, doing this, hitting the brake. You knew how to do it. I mean, there's things that you do in your car driving now that you don't even think about. It's just second nature. You hit the blinker. Why? Because you know you're about to turn. You don't even think about it. Sometimes. Some of us. My wife would say, I'm a non-blinker driver. So She's just lying on me, y'all. She's lying on me. But there are things that we do without even thinking about it. I mean, when you get in your car in a few minutes, do you have to think, I should brake. I should brake. I should brake. I should probably brake now. And then your spouse slaps you and says, stop, right? Probably not. You do it, what, instinctively. Traffic in front of you starts to slow down. Hopefully, instinctively, you just get off the gas and get on the brake. You don't have to think about it. It's the same way with prayer. At first, it might seem odd. And you may, I mean, look, I can remember and have the thoughts of, am I doing anything? This is weird. Who am I praying to? Like, there's no way else in here. Is this... I mean, we've all had those thoughts. So it doesn't matter where you're at. Just start. So we've got a guide for you to help you. Here's one of my favorite quotes on prayer. It's one of my favorite, but I'll, I believe it with all of my heart too. It's from a guy named Samuel Chadwick. He's dead now, but... He, was, he has this great book on prayer. I love this quote from him. And I believe that it's absolutely true. He says, The one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. Amen. The one concern. Live righteous all day long. Go ahead. Why? Because that won't produce power. The one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies. Study the Bible till you're blue in the face. Who cares? He fears nothing from our prayerless work. Oh, well, I do a lot of good things. I help people and I'm kind and I'm gracious. But if it's prayerless, it's pointless. He fears nothing of prayerless religion. Oh, I'm just trying to be a better person. As long as you're trying, he knows he's going to win. The problem he faces is when we start to pray. Because what happens? When we begin to pray, our studies actually begin to become our armament. We begin to be armed with truth. When we begin to pray, our work becomes even more powerful. Why? Because it's not just a, a, a natural physical need that we're meeting now. It's that we're actually touching the hearts of people that goes beyond just the physical act because the Holy Spirit is now at work because we've put ourselves in a position through prayer for God to work through us. So it's not just prayerless. No, it's powerful work now. And then prayer, prayer, prayerless religion. I'm not just going through the motions. I'm actually asking God to engage my heart and to change me. Amen. To rearrange some, some aspects of my life. He goes on and he says that the devil laughs at our toil and he mocks our wisdom. 
but he trembles when we pray. I love that part. He trembles when we pray. You're like, I don't believe that. I don't believe that, the, that I make the devil nervous when I pray. Okay. Does the Bible not say that greater is he on the inside of you than he that's in the world? See, when we pray, it's not just us praying. We have the backing of all of heaven. When we pray, it's not just one human praying. We have the help of the Holy Spirit. We have uh, the help of angels that are at work. The Bible says that they are ministering angels sent for what? For the aid of the heirs of salvation. Well, that's, that's us. That's believers. So that when we pray, angels can actually begin to move, begin to work, begin to... We wrestle not against flesh and blood. So there are rulers of darkness, but that's okay. We've got a bigger, better army. He lives on the inside. Greater is he on the inside of me than he that is in the world. That's true for you. So when I pray, it's not just me praying. When you pray, it's not just you praying. But you got to pray. If my people, if my people who are called by my name, we're Christians, we're called by Christ's names, will humble themselves and pray, I will heal from heaven. And I will heal their land. I like that, I will. (laughs) That's pretty definitive. I don't think God was like, I'll think about it. Maybe I will. He says, look, if you meet these, if you'll pray, if you'll humble your heart, and if you'll ask me, I'll move. And that's our heart. That's what we want to see happen in these next 40 days. And so, you know, as I said, we'll be posting stuff to our Facebook and all those types of things. And that website's Eldorado 40, Eldorado40.com, that you can get the the daily devotional. You can get it, you can sign up for a daily email. You can do whatever you want to engage with it. Uh, We have a few of these uh, that we printed out. If we run out, we can print off some more. But I want to reread this last quote just because I like it enough. And it does my heart some good says, the one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, and prayerless religion. He laughs at our toll, mocks at our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. Will you stand with me this morning? As we pray, we're going to pray over our city. I'll give you some instructions before I pray. Here in just a moment, before as we close out, Adam's going to lead us in a course of worship. And as we worship together, we're going to have people available up front here that are available to pray with you. If you're here this morning and you need prayer for anything, doesn't matter what it is, they would love the opportunity to pray for you. Why? Because we believe prayer makes a difference. That's why we're doing 40 days of prayer for our city, for this, for this region that we call home. Um, but if you're here and you want and you would like somebody to pray with you, just slip out of your seat as we worship. Come down here, let them pray for you. But let's just take a moment here. Let's pray over our city together. Don't just listen to me pray. Engage your faith in agreement with what I'm praying. Okay, well, Father God, we thank you so much. Father, we thank you that we have a great opportunity, Father, that of all the time in history, of all the places that you could have had us to be born, to find ourselves in this moment, at this time of history, Father, you chose now for us to live and to be in this area, Father. And Father, you never do anything by happenstance or by chance or by mistake. But, Father, you are always intentional about everything that you do. So, Father, we have an understanding knowing that you have brought us into your kingdom for such a time as this, for this very moment. 
in this very region. So, Father, we lift up our city. We lift up the surrounding communities, Father. We thank you. Father, that what you're beginning to to stir up in us as individuals, Father, would spread out and would begin to uh, really encompass a greater influence and a greater uh, area, Father, and in more people. So, Father, we ask you to pour out your spirit upon our city, upon our county, upon our state, and upon our nation. Father, you said that if we would ask, if we would pray, if we would humble ourselves and ask you, Father, that you would pour out your rain, you would pour out your spirit upon this land, Father, that uh, if we would do what you've asked us to do, Father, you said that you would bring healing, that you would bring strength, Father. Father, we recognize our need and our, our absolute dependency upon you, Father, that there's nothing that we can do in and of ourselves to create change in anyone. Father, we are powerless to change ourselves, but Father, that's the reason that you gave us the Holy Spirit who lives and resides on the inside of us. Father, that He is that ability, He is that strength. Father, to bring about what you would desire in us. So, Father, we ask you to move on hearts that have been resistant. Father, I thank you. Father, that you're softening hearts, Father, that have been resistant to the gospel, that have been resistant to you speaking to them. Father, I thank you, Father, for your presence, your ability flowing into them. Father, I thank you for a unity among fellow believers, fellow churches, Father. That, Father, there would be no... uh, the, The Spirit, Father, that would do desire to bring divisiveness and competition and comparison. Father, I thank you that we would bring ourselves together under the name, the majestic name of Christ. The one and the only Messiah who died for us. So Father, we ask you Father, to help us to to see and to understand and to even see ways where we could bridge gaps between us and maybe even people of other denominations or other churches. Father, we are all on the same side together. Father, we are not in competition with anyone, Father. The only competition we have is the enemy. And Father, we thank you that Christ has already defeated him. So Father, we thank you, Father, for what you've done in our area, what you've done in our community, Father, but we want more. Father, we desire to see your your spirit poured out in such a magnificent way, Father, that we would even be able to look back and say, do you remember when? Father, that we would look and see where you begin to do a great and a mighty work, not just for a moment, but Father, I thank you that it would be in a way that would change our community. Father, that it would be a marked difference moving forward. Father, that we would never be the same. Father, that you would receive all glory and all honor and all praise from it in Jesus' name.